sea bottom like dry ground until they, every last one of them got safely across. Pharaoh's troops went down into that valley of the seabed to chase them. But then the Lord slammed closed the doors of the walls of the sea upon them. Now that happened 40 years before this event that we're talking about today. Israel, you know, went into the wilderness and it was just a matter of weeks really before they reached the promised land. But because of their unbelief, God turned them back. And he said, you guys need to be in the oven a little longer before this cake is done. So for 40 years, they walked around and around and around called the desert until the unbelieving generation that didn't trust God for entry into that land until they died off, virtually all of them. Well, now we have a new generation that's been raised up, and they have said, enough of this desert. Joshua, we're ready to follow you and the Lord into the promised land, even if we have to fight for it. And that brings us to this part. Now, instead of entering the promised land through uh, a land route, which they could have done, the Lord led them right up to the border of the promised land that was guarded by a flowing river called the Jordan. The enemy really wouldn't expect an invasion from that direction. But God said, I'm going to split those waters of the Jordan just like I did the Red Sea, and you will cross under the leadership of Joshua. And that's what they began to do. Now, I would just like to read for you from Joshua chapter 4, starting at verse 19. We happen to be reading from the English Standard Version. It says, the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do? These stones mean, then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. And as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord, your God, forever. This is the word of God. Indeed, Holy Spirit, flow through us today. The speaker, the listeners, all of us, may we hear the voice of your spirit as we celebrate what God did these many years ago and that that same mighty God is at work today ready to split into any danger 
that would come toward us. Thank you, God, for your power in Jesus' names. Amen. Now, dear friends, verse 20, once again. Let's take a closer look. It says, and those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Let's stop right there. So do you get the picture? Israel has passed over the Jordan. The waters have been separated. They've passed over. In the process of it, God told Joshua, pick 12 men, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and let them hoist a stone up on their shoulders. These stones are supposed to be big. Onto their shoulders and let them carry those stones up out of the riverbed onto the shoreline just east of Jericho in a place called Gilgal, and there those stones are to be piled up to become a memorial. And notice, once again, why do you think God said collect 12 stones? 12 stones? Well, it's because these 12 stones represented who? The 12 tribes of Israel. What does God want us to learn from that detail? Well, I'm sure I don't know everything God intends by it, but could it be this, among other things? God, his purpose was to save a nation. Israel. But that nation was made up of families called the 12 tribes. And it shows that God's destiny for all the people, God's destiny for all the nation, is the same destiny for each of the large tribes, each of the families of that nation. Now, to me, that's significant, my friends, because we also belong to a nation of saved people called the church. We are Christians. It is God's glory and God's plan that he save us from our sins so that we might be reconciled back to God, saved out of the blindness and the slavery we have been in because of our sin, and, and to leave behind the domain of darkness and to be brought into the domain of light, out of death, into life, into the kingdom of his Son, which has already begun for us in this lifetime. And when he returns, that kingdom will be completed and fulfilled. He's come to do this for all his people. The Bible speaks of it in Revelation and other places. What a day that will be when all of us are there. But God says, but don't forget this. I'm not only saving the whole nation. I not only love the whole, 
all of God's people that are being prepared around the world, he says, I love your family too. You are one of the tribes. Your congregation, you could say, is one of the tribes. The saved people in your home and those who shall be saved, those you're praying for their salvation, they're one of the tribes. And God has demonstrated over and over again that he's not only interested in groups of people, he's interested in individuals. And so God split that sea, not just for all the people, but for each one of them and their families. This passage talks more about families in just a moment. And so, my dear friends at High Street, I, I would like to remind you that just as his eye is on the sparrow, his eye is on you. And just as he cares about what happens to his people around the world in all times, he cares about your children. He's got his eye on your grandkids. He says, of such is the kingdom of God. In verses 21 and 22, if we could reread those. It says, Joshua sat up at Gilgal and he said to the people of Israel, when your, who? When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. See that? There's a command. You shall let your children know. You shall tell them. You shall inform them. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. Loved ones, they passed over that Jordan. Can you use your movie's imagination just for a moment, what that must have been like? My goodness. Like, how many? A million people lined up? That's like going to Disney World, isn't it? A million people in line. Uh, but it's more chaotic than that. If you've ever been to the Middle East and Israel, you know that in that culture they don't stand in lines. They all fight for the front. Uh, I had a friend, um, we were in Israel one time, and he watched some people actually get hurt when a bus pulled in. And I mean, this was not unusual. This is an everyday part of life over in Israel. At that time, people would fight for the door. So imagine if the culture was the same and they're all going down and crossing over that Jordan. They're not just standing politely in line. I mean, it's a little bit chaotic. They're pushing. They're moving. Because after all, look how vulnerable they're becoming. They're now moving down into the, the riverbed. And way down there they see the water. And way down there they see water. And all they know is God says, now go. And there you are. You're probably wondering how you're going to get across. But it's not just you. You've got your children to look after. Are you going to take your children down into that? Are you going to take grandmom and granddad down into that? And so away they go. It's either go forward or go back to the desert. Okay, here we go. And, the, and so they're moving across. 
and they have seen this whole thing. And when the last one gets across, the waters start to come back. Now, friends, I am sure the people who walked across that riverbed would, would never forget it. But notice, God wasn't just interested in rescuing and saving the people of that generation who were there that day. That's why he made the provision to have those 12 stones carried across. So that, in a sense, those 12 stones might tell the story over and over and over again until many generations and countless people and the children's 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 children might hear and know that he is the Lord. God never intended just for Joshua's generation to survive and be saved. God never intended just Jesus and the apostles' generation to be the ones, you know, the ones who saw the miracles. God never restricted his plan that just they would be saved by what they saw as eyewitnesses. But God set it up in such a way that there would be an ongoing witness so that children and children's children and generations to come would hear and see these stories and believe and turn to the God who never grows old, who never loses interest, who never falls asleep, the God of eternal love, eternal protection, and eternal salvation is the God of all generations that he makes. And it says in the Old Testament, it says in 1 Corinthians 10 in the New Testament, these things are written in the Bible, in the Old Testament, for our instruction, for our instruction that we might be saved. That's why they took the time to haul those stones with them across the river. And that's why they set them up. Now, notice the passage says, of Joshua, it says, when, when the day comes that everything's quiet, you're in the promised land, and you take a day trip down to the river, and your kids see this strange sight of this pile of stones, and they say to you, Dad, Mom, Pop, pop. Nana, what are they doing here? What does that mean? Can we climb on them? It says, then you are to tell them what those stones mean. I just find it interesting that the Bible doesn't say here, Oh, and make sure you tell your kids and generations to come what happened. The Bible says, put those stones there so that someday the kids will see them. And then they will come to you and say, hey, why are those stones there? 
Do you know when people ask questions, it's because they're in the midst of a, have you ever heard of this term? Teachable moment. Have you ever noticed if you've raised children or if you've trained people that you really have an opportunity when they're in a teachable moment? When they're interested, it shows because they're asking questions. I remember when I was in my second year of college, and I was a Christian by then, and I had a, a friend, his name was Doug, and uh, he was kind of, he had kind of an annoying personality. I mean, annoying to me. He was always asking me questions. And especially when he found out I was one of those people that believed in God and loved God. And then he really started asking me questions. He, he would follow me around asking me questions about, about God and how can you believe in God? You know, we have science now. Why would you believe in God? You know, blah, 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 blah. And, and I, I was frankly kind of irritated. Now, more, a more godly person like Paul Spuler, he would have said, praise the Lord. Here's an opportunity to share faith. But John Grove was saying, ew, get this guy away from me. He bothers me. He bothers me. And I remember he had me, he was looking at me, he had me sort of cornered. He was asking me more hard questions, hard for me to answer about God and spirituality. And I'm thinking to myself, why don't you just leave me alone? But then it's like something said to me, can't you see, John? This man is pounding the door to the kingdom of heaven. Answer him. Yeah, yeah. Then I realized, oh, my goodness, look what's happening here. And I didn't even know it. So I calmed down. I saw what God was doing. I saw somebody asking the question over and over again. What do those stones mean? Those stones, John Grove, that I see in your life that I'm not seeing in the other guys in the fraternity. I see some stones in your life I don't recognize. They're unusual. They're different. I'm curious. I want to know. Tell me, what do they mean? And I shared with them the gospel of Jesus Christ and how the stones he saw in my life could be in his life. And you know, he received Christ and is a Christian leader to this day. No wonder the Bible says, and when they come and start asking you the questions, answer them. Answer them. Be alert for such moments. Do you remember when Jesus sent his disciples two by two into villages? to proclaim that the kingdom of God was near. Do you remember what he said to do? He said, knock on a door, and if the man answers is a man of peace, then stay there. But if he's not a man of peace, move on. What did he mean by that? I think part of what it means is, is the person, when you look at their face and their eyes and you hear what they have to say, are they interested? Do they want to know more? Are they a little bit intrigued about what a strange person you are? And they don't want to get rid of you. They want to, they, they're kind of curious about you. They want, to, they want you around a little more to, have, to you know, drill you with some more questions and so forth. 
Yeah. Um, that might be a person of peace. And so, my loved ones, be alert for such moments. For everyone in your life, but especially for the young ones in your life. The Bible said right here, your children. Um, no wonder it says in Deuteronomy 11:19, it says, with your children, tell them the word of God. When you sit down, tell them about it. When you walk, tell them about it. When you lie down, tell them about it. And when you rise up, tell them about it. I, um, at this stage of my life, as I'm adjusting to my retired years, one of the privileges I have is to drive my 10-year-old granddaughter to uh, Timothy Christian Academy at First Baptist Mount Holly. We enrolled her. It was my dream to enroll her in a Christian school, and this is her second year there. She's now in fifth grade, and so every day we, we drive, pop, pop, that's me. I'm driving, and she's sitting right behind me. She's usually very quiet. But as I'm driving, I remember this passage, you know, always tell your young people something. And so I'm pointing out this or that, or I'm talking about this or that. And um, she said, hey, Pop, yeah, yeah, Zoe, what is it? How do clouds get up there? What are they all about? And so I began to explain sort of a little bit of the science that they're really just fog up in the air where cold air meets warm air and the moisture gets squeezed out and I said and I saw this as an opportunity and I said you know all this didn't happen by accident Zoe God knows that we need water for life and so this is how God gently rings tons of water out of the sky gently enough that it can come down and do us good When your children, the Bible says, see these things and they say, what do these mean? Ready? Don't be too busy to tell them. Um, Joshua and the leaders of Israel were very busy that day when they were crossing over. They were going down and under what's usually below water. And no, no power that they could see was holding the water back, just the promise of God. Not only that, when they were coming up on the other side, they were coming up onto hostile territory because the people of Jericho owned that land and they knew they were coming and they were armed for it. So the leaders of Israel and Joshua, they were very busy. They had a lot on their mind. Let's just get these people across the water as quickly as possible. God said, no, slow down, turn around, and you 12 guys bend over and grab a big rock and stagger your way across the rest of the way. But God, I'm in a hurry. God, we got to get across this thing. Don't be too busy to finish this story so that your children will know what happened here and they will know what kind of God brought you across and they will know what kind of God I am for them as well as for you. 
dads, moms, grandparents, don't be too busy. Don't just bull your way through each day and fall into bed. Satisfy that you gave the kid their supper. You remembered that at least. <laughs> I know it's so hard. We're so busy. We get so tired. But you know what? There is that dimension we must never lose sight of. And that is always to point out what these things mean. And not just for our children, my loved ones, but to our friends and the people of our lives. Because the scripture says this is indeed one reason that God did this miracle, not just that we would teach our children, but that all nations might know who he is. Well, let's conclude with this thought. May I, may I suggest three little pieces of uh, homework? Number one, stop and remember the miracle moments of your life. That's one. As I was preparing this message, and I knew I'd be sharing with you, I did that. Um, I, I've, had, I've walked with the Lord many years, and so there have been a number of miracle moments in my life where God really came through for me. And I narrowed them down to three. Three main ones that I want to always have in the chamber and ready to use to share with my grandkids or with my friends or wherever God takes me. And I often share. The first one, I'm not going to bore you with all the stories, but the first one was the night God spoke to me when I was 17 years old, when I was alone in my bedroom, when I heard the voice of God talk to me. That was one. Number two was years later when I was a pastor at Columbus Baptist Church and we had a terrible church split going on. And there was a business meeting and it was like being put on trial. And I, had, I felt horrible. It was the worst day of my ministry life. And there was my congregation up there, half of them cheering for me, half of them booing me. It was just almost killed me but as I went up those steps about to enter that ugly scene again the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and he told me what attitude I should take so that when I entered into the room I was fully armed and ready to go and he rescued me and he saved the church and the third miracle moment for me happened just about a year ago when I pulled out a little old list that I had written when I was about 33 years old. I was, I was sick, and I thought my life was over. So I made some goals for myself, believing, hoping I would live a, a life long enough to make an impact for God. And then um, by the end, I, I, forgot, I lost that list kind of forgot about it and just got busy for the next 40 years. Then one night, boop, the list falls out of an old Bible. I look at it, and I'm afraid to look at it, thinking, oh, no. Oh, look at this. I wanted to do this, 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 and this, and I forgot all about it. And I've done nothing but been the pastor of one church for 40 years. I've just been here. 
That's all I've done. But then the Spirit said, look at that again. And I looked at it again. I looked at it carefully, and I realized I actually experienced and did everything on that list. I couldn't see it at first. I didn't know it at first. But I realized I didn't know it because I didn't plan the steps. God snuck up behind me and got it done by the agency of other people coming to me. In other words, God did it his way. Dear ones, I share those three stories often with the people of my life. And my prayer is that they know that we have a powerful God who loves us and is interested and wants to save his people in this life and the next. We are about to receive communion. And you know, communion is also a stone. A communion is something that's unusual. It's something Christians do. And children ask, what do you do that for? And that opens the door for us to give to them the story. How Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for us. How he rose from the dead to liberate us from the power of sin and death. How he ascended alive into heaven off, off the Mount of Olives to the right hand of God the Father and how he poured out his Holy Spirit at Pentecost and how he is coming again. That communion is a stone that holds that message and that is the gospel we share with our children and with the world. But just before we receive communion, I would like to invite you to listen to a song called Remember. Just listen to it. The words will be projected up front, but uh, I'm not asking everybody to stand up and sing it. You can remain seated if you want and just look at it. I'd like you to meditate on it. Drink it into your heart. And if you want to sing with it, that's fine. Do it. If you want to remain seated, do so. If you want to stand up, do so. If you want to put your hands in the air, do so. If you want to lay on the floor or kneel, do so. But most of all, let this be the message of today. Remember the stones of the miracle moments of your life. One, homework two, recognize the teachable moments with your family and friends. And number three, explain how these things point to Jesus. Let's listen to the song, please. In the darkest hour, when 